You're listening to WRUULP Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM, WRUU.org. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with global soul. Coming up next, Art on the Air, with your hosts, Rob Hessler and Gretchen Hilmers. Welcome to Art on the Air, with your hosts, Rob Hessler and Gretchen Hilmers. This is an hour-long interview program dedicated to the visual arts. Each week we feature guests in conversation about their theory, practice, and current projects, as well as the state of the visual arts in our community. We also play musical selections relating to our guests and engage in additional conversation about the topics presented in our interviews. So let's get started with another episode of Art on the Air. Here are your hosts, Rob Hessler and Gretchen Hilmers. And this is Art on the Air. Rob Hessler here with the... Rested. The rested Gretchen, Gretchen Homers. Yeah. Wow. Congratulations. Vacation, you and I. Huh? I know. And we're back from vacation and, and you're here recording with me, not just on the field note. Actually, you're not on the field note that no, we're going to play today with Brian McGregor talking about murals. I like His him. mural. He's a good guy. He's decent, yeah. You know, you know who's <laughs> just as cool as he is, though? Who's that? Uh, his wife, Jen McGregor. Let's be honest, she's kind of cooler. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Sorry, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, we love you both. And uh, yeah, we do have Brian McGregor on the show this week. He's working on a mural in West Savannah right now, and it is these large panels that create this... Huge. Huge. That create sort of this quilt. It's an honorific. So he talks all about that in our discussion here, Field Note. And it kind of takes the form more of a conversation, so you should sort of expect it just leads right in. We actually start by talking some about his dream studies and that work which he does, which if you don't know, Brian often incorporates writings of dreams into his paintings. So he's a collector of dreams. He is a collector of dreams and he so we end up just started talking about that and I just had the recorder going. So we, we decided to leave that in there and then you know then we get into talking about the mural and all of the details there. But it's really interesting. And speaking of murals, I recently wrote an a column for the Savannah Morning News at Savannahnow.com in the lifestyle section where I took issue with the Historic Sites and Monuments Commission decision to not approve what Clinton Edminster was calling a living wall in the Starland District, basically a series of free walls that artists would have been able to sort of practice mural making on. And I wrote a piece that was very critical of that. And so we're going to talk a little bit about murals and share our thoughts and feelings about that a little bit later in the episode. But why don't we go ahead and play this interview with Brian first, and we'll start out with some nice positivity, 
as Brian is always very positive. He's so positive. He's such a nice so guy. So positive. I love Brian. He's so you know great what? to talk to. The most positive people, though, you got to watch out. Don't upset them. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Could you imagine? I can't imagine Brian like... No, I can't, but that's the scary thing. <laughs> or Jen. I mean, either one of them. <laughs> but um, it's a really nice interview with Brian, and uh, it's such a great piece. So anyway, without further ado, let us quit talking, and we'll listen to what Brian has to say. Enjoy. I have a small similarity in the gallery when I'm collecting people's dreams, and then oh, yeah. write it down. And then, like, maybe come in and tell it to me or whatever. We're like, I don't know these people at all. Like, they just walked into the gallery. And then all of a sudden, we start talking about that stuff. And it's amazing because that's such a personal metaphor. Yeah. Like, I, and the more I get to know dreams, like, if somebody tells me their dream, I'm like, I can, depending on what type of dream it is, I can start to really, really know stuff about them. Yeah, because I mean, like, who do we share our dreams with, really, other than maybe our closest? Most of them we probably just keep to ourselves. Vast majority, ninety percent of them, right? At least I've written down four hundred of mine, and there's plenty that I have not written down. Right, (laughs) writing down, and so like maybe you share them with like a significant other, or here or there, you know, or if your artwork is really specifically about your dreams, you know, like I know there are artists who are making work. That's about their dreams. But most people, we don't say that. So it is like right. super intimate. Like it's this whole other world we live in yep. that we don't ever talk about really. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, and mostly because we don't have an opportunity to. Sometimes people would, but the joke is that dreams are boring or something like that. Like why would we even talk about it? And it's, it's so dismissive, but like we're kind of getting more woken up to that now that like this inner world is an interesting place and something that we can use. That, that's that's the stuff I find fascinating when people come in and then share and I'm always surprised like how many people do but then there's always the people that make some joke you don't want my dreams you want me to write them down in your book I'm like then don't <laughs> <laughs> somebody else will yeah. that's interesting that is really funny I mean I guess I do sort of think my dreams are pretty mundane I mean but we all do until we write it down and break it, break it out a little further and then you're like Actually, that was kind of cool. There's some strange, and I don't know why, unconsciously, that we do when we wake up. We initially all think that that was kind of weird and just uh, let it go to the waste bin of our mind, pretty much. But then if you do kind of work on it and write it down and stuff, then it starts breaking apart of something a little bit more interesting there. And then sometimes it takes time. It could be a month or two later and you realize the metaphor that it was trying to tell you. Yeah. Do you know Alan Kimmler? I don't think so. He does serious dream study. His work is really good, so you should check him out. His painter, his painting work is really nice. Um, but he, he actually, he and his wife have like, they, they have a group that they meet and share dreams and talk about it. And his paintings are all about dreams and stuff like that. Yeah. And he, he shows, I think he has a studio over at Cedar House Gallery. Okay. Um, and his, but his paintings are really good. They're really, really good paintings. Cool. Um, uh, so I'm check that out. Um, anyway, I was talking to you about this kind of stuff. But let, let's talk about this big yeah. giant piece that we're sitting next to, actually. And oh, what is it? What are, we, what are we sitting around here? Yeah, um, okay, so first off, uh, I've been working on this piece. Now it's, it's six feet by, by 60 feet. And uh, this is going to be for a, it's a memorial 
uh, project for uh, the West Savannah um, neighborhood. And so this will be inspired by uh, Emma Freeman Williams. And she was a quilter, she lived at 102. And kind of like gained a lot of like a press from that from becoming 100 and got like uh, paperwork from president and all that, all that stuff, right? Everybody got to know her and then suddenly like they started kind of just then seeing her quilts. And then it sort of faded in the distance and past say 20 years or so, people have been wanting to make some kind of memorial to her. And uh, so with uh, uh, Nick uh, Defley and also Ann Robinson from the Momentum, they kind of put together this idea of doing a mural and put down, put out the idea and then kind of started getting different artists to submit mm -hmm. uh, proposals to it. And so I did a drawing, submitted it, and uh, thankfully they really liked the concept because I wanted to keep it simple. So it's, I'm taking straight from her designs and that was nice too. So we were, got, we were given uh, photographs of all her quilts to kind of get inspiration from. So I broke them down into the, uh, the basic patterns that she would use, not necessarily patterns on the fabric, but the patterns of the shapes she would cut out and then put together. Right. Which is a mixture, she's African-American, so it was a mixture of different designs, kind of crazy quilt sort of kind of things, but then also um, some as well like historical patterns and things like that that she mix in with within her work. Well, and quilting has a huge background in history here in Savannah, and mm -hmm. you know, even like for example, the Beach Institute has shown they're having they have a quilt show right now actually and they've shown um you know there were the quilts played a role in the underground railroad they had hidden mm -hmm. symbols within the quilts where we tell you where exactly. to go and how exactly. to hide and stuff like that and so there's a particularly within the black community there's a huge you know sort of background there so okay so you you make this actually remember because you and i are friends and i remember you came in you like her over at my house and you're like, right. I have a big, I remember you telling me you had a big thing coming up and then I remember after it, you told me that you, that you went and you made the presentation you felt like it went really yeah. well. Um, so how did that process kind of go from doing the proposal, them accepting it, but like, like there's, there's also still a long path from most certainly. being accepted to so there's I, I ended up being accepted and told me I got it. Um, COVID kind of changed a little, couple things, but uh, so this was actually all started. The ball started rolling about a year, oh, more than a year ago now. Yeah, because we were seeing. I saw you in person when we talked about mm -hmm. this. So this was before and, March of 2020. So I had no idea if it was going to continue to happen. Mm -hmm. I didn't know if this was going to happen and all this stuff. Um, but it was definitely such a big project, so I had to keep it in mind. I kept working, redoing the drawing, and essentially the main concept of it, so people can kind of visualize, um, I kept it to simple, turning her quilt patterns into a landscape, and then having a realistic tree in the rough center of it, then a sun um, that that's... A quilted sun, yeah. Her patterns kind of do it, and then have a river kind of go through, and then some trees. And then it basically start and end flanking on the mural with uh, a mostly kind of black and white uh, quilts, but like large quilts directly from her quilts. And then have that blend from those 
into uh, kind of darker colors, and then as it gets closer to its center, and then it becomes lighter colors. Uh, that's like lots of uh, so in the corners it's black and white and blue, and then kind of some reds and burgundies and blues, and then dark greens, lighter greens, and then more yellows as it gets towards the center, towards the sun. And then having the very realistic, so I like the juxtaposition of the like extremely realistic tree um, and bushes and stuff with the river, like next to those patterns. Mm -hmm. like they all play off each other really well. And the sky being relatively flat blue, so there's a place for the eye to rest, essentially. And what's fun for me working on it, so uh, I've had to build it on, I had to design the wall as well. So they're on four by, uh, it was four by eight sheets that I cut down to four by six. So that way they were manageable as well as that, uh -huh. that made the sucks. So then from there, practically speaking, I've made a 12 foot uh, easel in my garage space. So that way I could work on three panels at, at a time. You're listening to Art on the Air with your hosts, Rob Hessler and Gretchen Hilmers on WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM, WRUU.org. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with Global Soul. Now back to our interview with Brian McGregor. That's right. And if people are friends with you on Facebook or the Brian McGregor Gallery, you could see the process, the progress. You were showing these, here's three panels up on your easel. Yeah, exactly. um, which was kind of cool to see it kind of come along. And you could see the similarity of patterns without being able to see like the whole thing all at once. And thank you for saying that because that's where I was going with that is that uh, I've only been working on three panels at a time, which is one fifth of the mural. So maybe I'll see the ends. So today, right now, setting it up, this is the first time I've seen it all. Wow, that's cool. Which is how do you feel? It's pretty trippy. It feels great. I, I'm very, I'm very happy with because I was going on kind of like some simple ideas of the black and white on the ends and then cut the color kind of good. I was just hoping that it would work. I assume that that theory isn't that complicated to work, but you never know until you're done with it. For right? sure. And then so uh, it definitely works. I mean, you know, people can't see it yet, but. Well, and we're up close, and so I had to think a lot about uh, many of the other murals I've done were in the location that they were going to be. So I could step back 50 feet or so and see what it looks like from a distance. I still haven't been able to do that to this, but I, I know roughly these size of shapes I'll be able to see and the colors will blend the right way from far away. And so that, that effect should, should work. But it, it is interesting having to think about while working on it, just going on past knowledge of that you believe this is kind of going to work. Well, that's also expertise and experience. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. you know, to a certain extent, like what you're doing as an artist. So like, this isn't going to be the kind of project that some first time muralist is going to do anyway. You know what I mean? So you have a certain sense, like you can trust your judgment and it's not yeah. like totally. And that was part of it from even being accepted in the beginning because I submitted, they wanted you to submit a whole lot of uh, past work. So I submitted past work of, here's these murals I've done. So they, they'd be able to see that, you know, you can do it within a certain time. So this mural, I've been working on this for about two months, which is a pretty long time for a mural. But the irony is that people would think that realistic tree and stuff would be take the longest, but I painted that part in a day. Like that whole <laughs> part of Well, like that's what you trees. do all the time. I, and so it, the hard part is actually these, uh, the flat geometric shapes and everything. Because it's house paint, you have to put 
four or five layers of color on each, <laughs> each one. And the lines need, I remember you talking need to be like that. really clean. It's I, I really like bringing things down to the practical natures of stuff. I don't. That's what I find fascinating. Um, but it was really interesting with the color play and the spots on these ends where it actually. I'm kind of playing a game with myself, so I'm having like the the uh, color shift go from like kind of a darker to lighter, right? Uh huh. And so I have a, a 12, 13 colors that I'm playing with, and I'm re repeating those colors. And I I made a design choice in the beginning. I realized it was best not to mix the colors. For this, I had all these different ones. I'll just do them solid. The only mixing is in like the realistic tree part and the river, the, the bushes and stuff. But I, all all the other squares should just be the straight color because it came out stronger and looked a lot better. And the, the color length of it. So that putting that putting those down, um, so many layers. Well, from a practical layers. standpoint too, I mean, it's like for that sort of stuff, like if you, you're saying, oh, it takes five layers. Well, you're also not mixing paint to make right. five layers worth of a color over and over again. And you're playing with the medium. So it's, it's always best to kind of, in my opinion, think about the medium, what you're going for, and work within that medium strengths. So with house paint, it's good to put lots and lots of thick, solid layers, but then if I use a lot of transparency in my finer, and I do like the collage work, and then uh, thin layers on top of it, thin layers, and then it builds up to create it. But this is completely different than that. It's the same color on top of the same color to kind of build up, and I'm working more in the, the shapes, and a lot of straight lines that Quite frankly, don't really do as much either. So that was, was uh, it's fun. So pretty much everything was done with a one-inch brush. I thought about yeah. doing with different sizes, and it didn't. It didn't practically work. The one-inch was was uh, the thing, and the colors actually going in because I I design-wise didn't want to have the same color next to the same color. So I wanted to make sure every pattern within it. If I put something down, so it kind of worked out to where certain ones needed to be say three or four or five colors in my whole palette that I'm right. playing, playing with. So that way I knew I had enough that the same color wasn't butting up against the other one. So the shapes would be different, you know, would be distinct. So like where the color shift comes up, most of that honestly just kind of happened really uh, very natural. I was like, okay, this color goes here, this color goes here. It wasn't until I got to this middle part near the tree where the tree comes up and then it's all these uh, squares uh, where the pattern had shifted. So I, I'm basically making, uh, visually explain to listeners, the hills and the landscape are kind of like a quilt of their own. And then the patterns are in it, so it's a different pattern that I'm playing with. And then so this one hill here under the tree, it breaks down in the squares, and that, it was kind of interesting to me of how challenging that was mm. for me personally, because everything else was just sort of Going, I would do a little dot of color here. I'm like, okay, this works, this works. It, I didn't really even have to second guess it too much. And then I get to this middle part here with the sunlight coming in. I think because I'm introducing the yellow. And then um, I'm realizing that the lighter colors, I had to paint several more times. <laughs> of course. And the thing that's super tricky is those greens and stuff. When the first two layers, they look the exact same. You can't tell. <laughs> what color is what yeah, yeah, yeah. until you get to about like the third one and they don't look too good until you get to about the third fourth coat and then all of a sudden it starts coming together i'm like oh, okay this makes sense that must be so painful though because you're having to like and it's over several 
yeah, panels. So trying to keep all track of all that. So I started writing down some of it on tape and putting it on the wall. That helped. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. That's good. You idea. know, but I just drew it all. And actually, because uh, somebody asked me about taping in the lines, no, that would actually have been almost harder for me. It was easier for me to just put more paint on the brush, and because I was using one one inch side brush. It was easier for me to just put more paint on the brush and then paint a solid line on the edge than it was to tape it off. But uh, Yeah, I mean, the spaces are not huge, and you drew it out beforehand, so yeah, you I had that. I sketched everything out, and some areas uh, had to erase and redraw several times to get the pattern right. That's awesome, man. Well, so you, I mean, you said two months. I mean... Wow. I mean, how many hours do you think you put in this? I mean, you've been working on it a lot. I, yeah, so I dedicated, it was a job, right? So I woke up in the morning, I knew the days, so I pre-planned the days ahead of time. I have the whole space, everything was on wheels, so I pushed everything into the, all my wood shop kind of space. On wheels, pushing the corner, I have a dedicated space so I can still pull my car in. I pull out this black tarp, I have my area for the easel, I have all of the pieces since they're all uniform size. I have all of them stacked up, it's 15 of them in the corner. So it's very easy, I can pop out the ones I'm working on. And then I would work eight, nine hours each session. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I, I like how you said it's a job. I mean, I think that that's the key. You know what I mean? This isn't just like leisure, it's a job. Yeah. I mean, not that it's not enjoyable or oh, gratifying, but it's there was really hard days and then days it was so much fun and I enjoy having my gallery in my studio and stuff being in there, but it was it's been a blast working on it here, cranking up my music really loud. Right now I have the garage doors closed um, to show brought the whole mural mm -hmm. out. But normally I would have just the four panels along the wall and I would have the doors open, uh, fans going, lots of sunlight coming in for that that effect. And then I'm just jamming out and having just a blast. And I can just move, I'll try and work on one color. So say there's purple or something like that is on several panels. So I would do the purple on this one, move to the purple in the middle panel, then move to the purple on the last one. Feel good about that color and then move on to the next color. Systematically kind of work on it that way. So you're, it's done, right? It's so it's, yeah. So within this whole part of the process, uh, we were talking before the beginning, now I, can, I think I can phrase it right, but uh, we had to have the design of it. I had to submit how to make it, so essentially this is a fence that goes along the back side of the, prop, the um, property. So this will be on Augusta Road, and it's in a triangular shaped uh, plot where the city, that's where they grow all the plants, it's their nursery, for all the squares in, in Savannah. and. Uh, so within that, like, there's posts in the ground that are going to come up eight feet, or yeah, eight feet, and then have this all mounted on there. So my next steps now that I have the mural done is the posts need to go in the ground. We have contractor to that, and then I'll build out the frame for it. I got to drill all the holes and all these, mount it, and then fill it. Pretty much, kind of, sort of paint in the whole holes, and then and seal the whole thing. So right. there's plenty more work to do. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we'll make sure to tell everybody, like they said, for like, like two weeks before that we're going to do a big event and have the... the yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, we're, we're talking now because it's in the space and it's finished, but right. there's going to be 
and this, but this won't be broadcasting. It'll be three weeks from when we're talking this. So it's right. been, for those of us out there listening, you should think, we did this interview three weeks ago. If you're listening to it live, we did this interview three weeks ago. Right, and I'm hoping at that point, three weeks from now, that uh, a lot of the construction, so like a lot of that area needs to be cleared, trees need to be cut out. So this is, it's been really interesting working on this memorial project too, because I've done a lot of uh, artwork at bars and some uh, uh, murals and stuff for companies and different things. It's been very kind of gratifying to do something that feels so heartfelt. Right. You know, that something that like is also too, I've done a lot of murals that have been painted over, over the years, South of Virginia Beach and different things that just, you know, 10 years pass and new business buys or whatever. But this is permanent for as long as the sun will let it last mm -hmm. and weather elements. That's why we're sealing it really well and prime the boards with the oil-based primer first, the blue tint, and then the best high quality house paint I could buy and then and have that on it and, uh, and, and seal everything, well not to the, to the to the little roof on it, but it's really, really nice to do something like that has, uh, and for, for, uh, for Emma too, like just kind of being able to get inspiration from her work mm -hmm. and do something I've, done a lot of fine art pieces for people on somebody that has passed in the family and also sometimes when somebody was going to pass they knew and they wouldn't have like sort of a memorial piece to them and there's something very uh, I don't even know how the words to say it but uh, so powerful and so meaning and heartfelt to do something kind of in junction with somebody who's passed or going to be passing like it, it, it means a lot. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, it's also, I mean, do you feel like a little bit more pressure though? I mean, like, cause like you don't want to like, I did in the beginning. I did in the beginning. I think one of the, the uh, tricks with art to not do that is a lot of pre-planning, working on your, working on your work, trying to just push those thoughts out of your mind best you can. But then once you get to a certain point with it, that you can feel comfortable, confident enough. So for instance, I had to redo the first two panels, pretty much completely, of the mural. Mm. So as I worked on it, um, I, my idea of where I was going with the process of it, because it's both design and fine art, right? It's a mix of that kind of feel. I started getting the design elements down pat of what I wanted, and I realized the first two panels I needed to paint over again. Because I had the lines uh, were I was thinking to have it more kind of realistic of a quilt, so they'd be sort of wavy a little uh, bit, uh -huh. right? So I had them kind of like curved and all this stuff. And then, and as it went along, I realized the line should just be straight. It worked better. Uh, the dimensions would be the exact same. Almost as if this is the first time when she was cutting the pieces of the quilt. Yes, right, As right, opposed right, to like right. later. And visually, design-wise, it was a lot stronger. That's interesting. That's really interesting. Well, I mean, I love it. I think it's really cool. I mean, you know, anybody that follows you in your work knows that, you know, this is the kind of project that goes to someone like you because you're professional. You know what you're doing and you've been doing it for a long time. So I, I would like to add in that. Uh, so this is even extra special to me personally doing this because my mother's a quilter and she's a award winning quilter and she's done some quilts with landscapes in them. So she's done, so this inspiration came from her, really. So it's nice mixing in, it's like kind of doing this for me. I don't have her name on it, but like really it's like 
two women quilt, female quilters. Well, what's your mom's name? Oh, uh, Cornelia. Cornelia. Yeah. McGregor? Uh, Mills McGregor, yeah. Mills McGregor. Okay, we'll just give her a shout out. You know, a little yeah, love yeah. to mom. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's pretty amazing thinking about that and seeing her stuff. I photographed her work and then um, bringing that inspiration into it. That's cool, man. Well, I can't wait. I mean, obviously, you'll let us know when when the event is going to be happening. We'll be sure to get it out to the listening audience. So that way, people can, can stop by and see. And I just want to make it clear here to everybody is that this is where the city grows their plants but it is a public park so people can go to it you yes. don't it's not like it's off limits it sounds because when you first tell me that i was like oh are people actually allowed gonna be allowed to go to it and the answer is yes and when you drive down augusta you'll be able to see it like it'll be seen from the road mm -hmm. um let's say like 80 90 foot i think long space in a triangular kind of shape and i, I design wise I, i'm excited to see the plants in front of this yeah, yeah, I know. You told cool. me about that. We yeah. talked about that. I, I thought, really yeah. like that idea of this being the backdrop, and it's kind of interactive in a sense. It's almost like the uh, set design for a stage. Yeah. And like, this is the back part for a stage, and I've done some artwork for plays, like stage design stuff, so I, I was intentionally thinking about that, and the height being the same of the horizon line here, and then the plants probably covering a little bit of the bottom from mm -hmm. certain parts in the distance, and I kind of... I'm very interested to see like flowers blooming. Take some pictures of it once that that that, that happens. But yeah, well, we'll see. We'll fun. definitely see. All right. Well, thanks, Brian. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. Thanks, Rob. Hey, um, do you got like Instagram? Anything? Just mention it actually now, so if people want to follow you in your work. What's the best way for people to do that? Um, yeah, Brian McGregor on, on Instagram and uh, Brian McGregor Gallery or at Brian McGregor Gallery on, on Facebook. That's a good one. And yeah, website's the same with the name. Awesome. Well, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Definitely. Thank you. You're listening to Art on the Air with your hosts, Rob Hessler and Gretchen Hilmers on WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM, WRUU.org. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with global soul. What does it mean when we say that WRUU is a community radio station? It doesn't just mean that we invite the community to create programming. And it doesn't just mean that we are a voice for the community. It also means that we are counting on the community to keep us going. And you are the community. Almost all of our modest budget comes from small annual or monthly donations from listeners like you. You get to enjoy our community-focused programming because many others have stepped forward to do their part. Now do your part by joining our community of listener donors. Go to WRUU.org right now and make a one-time or monthly donation. And thank you for supporting Savannah's community radio station, 107.5 FM. Are you hesitant about receiving the coronavirus vaccination? Contact your physician. It is estimated that 97% of all physicians have been vaccinated. What do they know that you don't know? Or talk to a friend or relative who has been vaccinated and find out why they have taken it. For more information, contact www.cdc.gov. So positive. Welcome back into the studio. Gretchen Hilmer's here with Rob Hessler. And she is speaking, of course, of Brian McGregor, our guest this week, who is very positive. So positive. And if you missed that interview, you can catch it in the station archives at wruu.org. 
click on schedule, click on Wednesday, and then scroll down to Art on the Air, and you can find the last 10 episodes of Art on the Air. So check those out there, including last week's interview, where we featured another, none other than Gretchen's family. That was that was that was that was something. Uh, it was really fun. Was... I loved doing that episode. <laughs> Before that, we spoke with Bridget Kahn at her On View residency, and lots of great guests in previous weeks. I really weeks. wanted to get over to one of her her sessions. I yeah, just couldn't do it. Yeah, well, it was uh, great. It was amazing. It's it was a amazing meet up to vacation, <laughs> and the vacation was amazing. So. She's gonna have an exhibition of the works up there, though, so you can kind of yeah, still well, see great, it. Great, but it's not gonna be my face. True, true, <laughs> true. But uh, check that out. And of course, it's all this. Uh, my, many of the interviews are in are embedded in articles at savannahnow.com, usually in the entertainment section. But this special episode with Brian is not. This was just a field note that we just did. But you can also catch it on other places like Spotify, Podbean, Pandora. I think it's on Pandora. Things and stuff. Yeah, it's it all over. There. You can find it pretty much everywhere. On the interwebs. We wanted to shift gears a little bit. You know, Brian, of course, was working on a mural, and it is sort of through the city, and he did a, you know, proposal. I want to spring something on you. Okay, spring it. Okay, because I know we want to talk about this mural situation, but I also want to talk about the hard position that people put themselves in when they do a public service. So you have a tricky thing where you cover the arts in savannah right and you're not always going to be agreeing with something that's going down and that puts you in a tough position um, the people on the historic sites and monuments commission you know many of them personally right and they are doing this volunteer work for this position and you might not agree with what they are doing but I think there needs to be a hard line, not a fine line, a hard line between what you're doing professionally and what you're doing with your friendships. And I just want to make that point before we lead into Well, that. I think that's a really good point because, I mean, I sort of feel like it's my duty in a sense to pay attention to what's going on with these boards. And the Historic Site and Monuments Commission is a board that you and I have been involved with and have actually, we got a park renamed. Brinkman Delorme Park, or as I like to call it, Delorme Park. Yes. Well, actually, really, Harry Delorme, who many of you probably know as a guest on this show, and he works over at the Telfair Museums. He did all the heavy lifting. He did all the heavy lifting. was named after his brother. <laughs> but we presented it as the Neighborhood Association. So we've gone through the process. Mm-hmm. And we've been to a few other historic sites at Monuments Commission, and... MPC things, ZBA, ZBA. we've been meetings. to many of these uh, meetings, so we we understand the process, the process of that, and so, but it's I think as like as an as art people, and as an art advocate, I think it's also like if I see something happening on one of those boards, like I feel like it's my responsibility to say something you are in the end an advocate for the arts right and maybe you don't agree with every project and that's fine but savannah is lacking in public art to a degree that just drives me insane you know we were just up in blairsville georgia blairsville where is this okay north georgia in the mountains it had more public art than 
I mean, I, I... Well, certainly per square foot. Now, you might have more total in Savannah, but you're talking about this tiny little town, and there's, like, these murals on the sides of, like, so many of the buildings and stuff like that, just out in public. And sculptures? I thought the sculptures were amazing. Yeah, I, I mean, it know. is... It's, it's interesting, and so I wrote this piece, and for those who missed the very beginning of the show, but I wrote a piece for the Savannah Morning News, my Sunday column... And I was very critical of the Stork Sites and Monuments Commission. And I specifically called out some arguments that were made in opposition to Clinton Edminster's Living Walls Project. And this project would have opened up basically four walls in sort of a behind a back area behind Bull Street for open painting, open muraling, yeah, but, basically. But on, and this is something that drives me Another thing that drives me crazy about Savannah is there's all of these derelict buildings out here that are just falling into disrepair, that are just whitewashed beyond, you know, every graffiti is just covered up and covered up and covered up, and it's a patchwork of whites and off-whites and beiges. Um, yeah, so this particular building, one of the buildings that's, that Clinton was proposing, three of the sides of the four total sides of building that would, facades that would have been open for this, were on this derelict building. I mean, literally, it was like warped boards over the windows, rusting roof. There had been, as Gretchen said, there had been graffiti placed on the, you know, painted on the side of this building over and over and over again. And then the city would come in and they'd paint over it again. And so you could see these patches over it, right? And so Clinton had this vision for doing this thing. He presented it. And, you know, I'll, I'll be a little bit critical of Clinton here is that I don't really think his presentation was the best presentation necessarily. But I think that what ended up happening, and the hearing lasted for over an hour and a half. So if any of you How know... Long, now, there were two other uh, projects presented. How long did it take? 10 to 15 minutes each. Okay. So, you know, that's kind of typical. And I want to talk about that in just a second, too. It was an hour and a half, and... I understand having questions, and I have, understand having concerns, but some of the concerns expressed were the absolute worst-case scenario, fear-mongering type of situation that has proven to be pervasive whenever it comes to this stuff. And so I understand that people, some people were upset about what I had to say, but this is a continuation of a problem that has gone gone on forever. And I'll give you an example. When Aaron Westling of W Projects and Lori Judge wanted to do the monster piece on the side of the Judge Realty building. <laughs> right. Uh -huh. And and Aaron Westling always talks about this. She shares this story all the time. There's moss on the side of the building and it's going to be up there for three months and they're going to take it down. And one of the commissioners, when it went to get approval to do the public art project asks, well, what if there's a hurricane? What's gonna happen to this thing that's on the side of the wall? Well, obviously it's gonna get blown off, all right? Yes, there could be a hurricane. And yes, it could destroy the public art and blow moss around. But that is the craziest, most random thing that's going to happen. And there were, there were some instances during this hearing at the HSMC regarding Clinton's proposal that were equally absurd. And that's the issue that I have there. There was like one example where somebody was talking about how oh, somebody could kick over a pane of 
can of paints that paint would be would would flow into the sewer cap there was not any drains nearby there is a sewer cap seven feet from the nearest wall and it would drain to the ocean wait it's seven feet it's seven feet from the nearest wall mm -hmm. now that doesn't mean that the paint can might be not be closer that doesn't even mean that that's not i agree with that that that's a potential concern i just think that when you're just going and you're listing off all of the worst case possible scenarios, there's always a worst case. There's always a reason why a project will fail. Always. Every single project has a reason why it will fail. So if you spend the whole time talking about that, instead of looking for reasons why it will succeed and expressing why it will succeed, then of course people are going to shoot it down. And that's the fear prop. That's the fear part. It's always imagining the worst possibility instead of considering that's a pretty far-fetched thing that's going to happen possible yes but probably pretty far-fetched and when your only topics of conversation come up are all of these far-fetched fear-based ideas whether they're legitimate or not it's just like poor Clinton is standing up there and he's just having to like stand there calmly for an hour and a half and answer these ridiculous possibilities. Well, you know, another interesting thing is we proposed a public art project actually with Clinton to CAT. And we were even asked some interesting like worst case scenario uh, situations. And I think that it, it, it is something that happens here in Savannah, but I'm curious how often this happens in other places. Like, we'll say Chattanooga, where we met one of the, um, what is it, like she was the head of public art there. Mm -hmm. and I'm drawing uh, a blank on her name right now. And, but and, and doesn't Jerome Meadows have a piece there? Well, he's working on the Ed Johnson Memorial, but that's, I mean, that's like a huge public it arts is, project. It is a huge public art product, but was it met with some of these worst case scenario questions or were people more accepting? Like, I wonder... Is this just a Savannah thing or is this a bigger picture thing? Is there more fear in worst case scenarios with art than other things? So here is a, I'll just give you an example, St. Petersburg, Florida. I was actually just talking with another artist today, Alfredo Martinez. Fredo, as he goes by, and he's done murals in town here, but mostly indoors. And he was telling me about in St. Peter, Petersburg, Florida, and he was talking to a friend of his about this is that there's murals everywhere. They're all over St. Petersburg. And he said that essentially, if you see an open wall and you are interested in potentially doing a mural, you go to the business owner and if the business owner says, yeah, sure, that'd be cool. Then you go and you paint the mural. That's it. I, okay, so I understand they're wanting to be some control in the Victorian and the historic district because, I mean, you can't even have screens in your windows. But once you get out of those areas, you still have to go get permission. So we have this giant wooden fence that I would love to have something painted on, but we'd have to go through the entire process of getting the project approved. Yeah, I think that's part. That's a big part of the problem is like, I, and I kind of understand preserving a certain look in the historic district. Yeah. But literally, and I and I kept when I was listening to the hearing because I was at I listened to the hearing live this recent one and then I listened to the recording a second time because I recorded it myself because I knew it wouldn't be up on the website With quick some enough. Some extra baby screaming in the background. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I listened to it twice just to make sure I had all of the details right. 
is like I kept thinking while this was going on, I was like, you guys, you realize you are talking about a building which is literally falling down, like basically. Like it is junk. It is a trash building. The things you're concerned about, even if you're talking about design, it's not going to look worse. It looks terrible right now. Like let some artists get in there and try it out. Clinton even said, was willing to make the concession, how about we just say, let's give it a six month trial period. And that got thrown around. That wasn't good enough though. Like it still got shot down. And it's like, that's the kind of thing is like, it's so, I don't know if it's a need for control, it's fear, it's just frustrating. But, but there is something to be said about this is it need people need to keep approaching the city with projects for we sure need to keep trying now uh you did mention that maybe the presentation or the uh idea could be a little bit more uh finessed maybe we could i that's not what i said or, i thought okay. link I, I thought clinton could have done a better job with this presentation but let me let me just say something regarding that though is that Clinton did a fine job with his presentation as a normal human being going and trying to get a project done. The expectation was way too high on Clinton for that because, you know, that hearing, I mentioned that there were two other projects which were approved while Clinton's project was not approved. One of those projects was the city of Savannah was presenting these kiosks that they're going to be putting all the way down Broughton Street, okay? And their historical basically presentation kiosks they tell you a little bit about the history of broughton and all this stuff it sounds really cool there's no doubt about it right it's the uh it's the city of savannah and then they they're it's part of their broughton street developmental project that huge project that they're doing luciana luciana sprocker the the uh, who's at the the municipal archives you know she got yeah well she's not she was consulted on the project. She's not the one putting the project together. The project was actually, you know, the person who was arguing for the city is Bridget Liddy and she's great. I know Bridget. She's amazing. And, and all that. Okay. So you got that. She find the time to do that. And then the second, the other project, which also sounds amazing is this huge mural on the side of the salon off of basically it's Whitaker. And it's this huge mural of Catherine Sando's work. Mm-hmm. beautiful it's going to be amazing it's this huge mural and it's awesome Catherine was there there was there's actually was somebody who was involved like a creative director who was helping on this project and they presented it and then there's clinton so let me just kind of juxtapose those three items you have the city of savannah with these highly paid professional people putting together this presentation for the historic site and monuments commission and it's really well executed, they get approval. You have Catherine Sandoz, who's an incredible artist, probably one of the best in Savannah, one of the best, our, our peak artists, I love Catherine's work, who has a, a person, a creative director who's involved with this. There's a ton of money. The project, I think, had a bu- has a budget of $30,000, if I was reading the packet correctly. Really great presentation, and it gets approved. You have Clinton, who will be paid zero dollars trying to do something in his neighborhood, very close to his business, with who has a and he has a reputation for doing great art projects in that area. And he has to go through an hour and a half presentation 
And it's not, his, his presentation isn't perfect. But the point is, we're talking about a guy who's not being paid to do this thing, who goes in there to do that, in comparison to other people who are going to present, like the city of Savannah, or this creative director for a $30,000 project. It's an unfair standard that is set for somebody like Clinton to go in there and be expected to have this like perfectly shiny, well done present, not well done, his presentation was fine. The MPC staff recommended approval of the project. So it was a, there was approval recommendation the board had to decide against that approval. They had to go against the recommendations. Did anyone speak against the project? One person. Okay. One person spoke against the project. It was a person who owned several houses over there. They didn't live there. They owned several houses over there, and they found said that it was hard for them to rent out houses because of the murals. And I was like, okay, I guess they, we can't deny that if they feel that way. But there's no murals over there. In response to the murals at for the Starland mural project is what he was saying. So he was concerned that more murals would mean less, <laughs> it would even be harder for him to rent okay. out his properties. Did anyone speak for? There the were nobody else spoke for, but there were seven letters in favor of the project and in backing the project to be done. So. There I just was, can't believe <clears throat> someone said they can't rent out their houses because of public art. <laughs> you listen to it. I know, like, people are going to think I'm crazy or something like this. But this is, yeah, okay. We can, sorry, I, I have a feeling most of our listeners are probably not on board with that notion in general. <laughs> but what, what we're talking about here is, like, it's, it's an unfair expectation that Clinton is supposed to go in there and have the level of presentation that the city of Savannah has or creative director on the $30,000 project is having. Those are not fair expectations. Ordinary people, if there is a board that you have to go to to do a mural at all, and in this case, a totally unpaid project, it's just not, that's not fair. Now, are there any, um, I don't know, has the HSMC ever offered a information, I don't know, seminar on how to do these projects and fill out all of this paperwork and... The paperwork itself is not that hard to do. But it's just being up in front and talking about your project? Or yeah, you I mean, I think that there's something to be said for that. And, you know, admittedly, Clinton was asking them to do something that they don't that they don't normally do. It was something that was out of the ordinary. It was something that was not going to have design oversight. There was the potential for abuse. There's no doubt about it. I agree with all of those things. But it's also kind of like, it's fear. You're worried about the worst case scenario. Like one person argued, oh, well, inevitably somebody's going to go and put advertisements on that wall. What? Like McDonald's is going to come and write a big arch, golden arches on the side of the wall. So go and go to McDonald's. No. One of the things about the living wall and the whole point of it is, is that it gets painted over regularly. So if something goes up that people find that they don't really like, it's going to be gone immediately. It's not even going to be... You and I could go up there and put a cat over the thing we don't like. Literally. Anybody could literally go and paint over it. Cats are awesome. I'm just saying, like, if you don't like something, then you could literally go and paint over it. And it was, and it's also kind of a ridiculous argument anyway, because guess what happens when they have graffiti? The city has to go out and go over and paint over it. Anyway, we've talked a lot about this, a long time about this, but 
I'm just going to say that, that, you know, this isn't going to be my last critical article. And in fact, now that this has come out, it just makes me want to even say more that I haven't been saying because I think that it's a little bit, I think the community is a little sensitive. Nothing is changing. We're going we're gonna to be taking off some Christmas card lists, aren't we? <laughs> I'm sure we if are. If anyone are. listening, uh, it's not me. It's Rob. Uh, I'm right. still lovable, luminescent Gretchen. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's play some music. Brian sent us over some songs. Let's play some music, and we'll be back in just a minute. You're listening to Art on the Air here on WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM, WRUU.org. We are Savannah Soundings Community Radio with Global Soul. Here's a song by Nick Bolka.
Well, that's all the time we have for this hey, week's episode. But I just episode. want to say, Nick Bulka, neighbor and uh, the father of one of our kids' friends, Nick He's and Allison, awesome. and their Whoa. their friend, their their daughter, which Grooving is grooving re- to Nick Bulka's yeah, music. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Good, to, good to play that. Anyway, we're going to close out this episode. Some of that old Savannah magic is coming up next. Here is another song again chosen by Brian. Thanks, Brian McGregor, for talking to us this week, and we will catch you all next week. See you later, Gretchen. Bye bye. You get up in the northwest coast, <clears throat> and it's raven. These are smart, clever birds and animals. <laughs> <laughs>